That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I want to introduce you to something that everybody needs in their life, which is Adderall and compliments, which is also the name of my podcast. I'm Annabelle, and every week I want you to come kiki with me and my hilarious friends as we talk about everything from reality TV to dating fails, mental health. I promise it will make you laugh, and most importantly, it will make you feel so much better about your own life. So come join me and my baby stripper voice every Friday on iTunes, Spotify, and follow me on Instagram at Annabelle Zisisto and give me the greatest gift of all, which is validation. Today's episode is brought to you by Dove. Revive your skin with Dove Nourishing Secrets hand creams and body lotions inspired by women's beauty rituals from around the world. Available in four intensely nourishing formulas with ingredients like avocado and coconut oil blended with Dove's superior care. You'll find one perfect for your skincare needs. Indulge your skin and your senses in an irresistible new way. Take the Dove Nourishing Secrets Beauty Routine Quiz to find your nature-inspired match. Visit DoveNourishingSecrets.com. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostess, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, welcome back. My like second solo podcast episode this year. I don't even know. Let's talk about 2020. Can't believe that we are now sitting at a time where we're wrapping up the year and it's time to talk about it. Like, how can we not? I remember when the pandemic first happened and I talked a little bit about how it was like initially impacting me and our family and just life and everything. But so much has happened since then. When I think about that being, you know, in the spring and now we're sitting here at the end of December and how much has happened in between, it's just unfathomable. Right now, today I was doing this thing where there was like an Instagram challenge and it had like last year's camera roll. And I went back in my last year's camera roll and it was like hotels and events and like this life that I had dreamed about for so long and just traveling and seeing people and being with people and, and, you know, having life outside of my home. As you guys know, I was a stay at home mom for 10 years. So these were just like wild dreams and, you know, really getting to live them was such a cool experience. Looking back on them, thankfully, I, even though I did feel a touch of sadness, I think is 
I think part of it is grief, right? You're grieving what could have been for this year. You're grieving all of that stuff. And and I think I've begun to process that grief initially. For me, I always related it to a person of loss instead of seeing it as a process of change and loss. And now understanding that grief is such a huge thing for me. And, and to be able to look back on old photos, grieve them a little bit, celebrate them a little bit, it's a process. It's a processing tool that we're that we're equipped with to to go through, right? So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm starting this episode. It's just acknowledging the fact that nothing is what it was before. And when I first started this podcast, Bailey pulled out my friend Bailey Stanworth pulled out this quote of something I said that I at the time didn't even know I said it, which was, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it anyways. And here I sit again. And it, and as I was about to pick up the mic, I thought, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. I don't even know what I have to say. I feel like I don't have anything to contribute. I don't know what I'm doing, but we hit the record button and we do it anyways. And and 2020 has really brought me a bit to my knees. I am going to talk a little bit, obviously, about the elephant in my room, which is, I'm very pregnant right now. I am very, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, I'm still very, very pregnant. She will not be born until 2021. We will, we will see the countdown is officially on and having a pregnancy in a pandemic. I mean, first of all, it's been over a decade since I've been pregnant. So throw everything I ever knew ever out the window. I'm, I was at the midwives today and I'm like, she was like, well, with first time moms, often we say, I'm like, no, no, like, let's acknowledge that I am a fourth time mom. Who's a first time mom. And she was like, you're right. Like that's, that's so real for you. And, and it's been 10 and a half years since I had Bowdoin and Bowdoin's delivery was under totally, totally different circumstances. I was married to somebody else. I was living six hours away from home or my hometown, my support systems. I don't even know. I didn't have any family that was there because we had just left my hometown. Nobody had any idea when the baby would come. And it, it was a really isolating time and a really, truly difficult time that, oh, of course I'm going to cry. Every time I go back into thinking about what it was before, it brings me to my knees to what we are in now. And where am I now? I am, you know, regardless of this pandemic, I am safely in uh, my hometown. I am married to a wonderful man who does not have children of his own, but has welcomed with open arms and a huge heart my children that they like basically are like his own. And that that was a huge thing for him was that he never really felt this pull to have his own children because of the love he felt for mine. But this is this has been pulling me back emotionally about a decade. I've had to acknowledge and face prenatal depression, which I never saw coming. I've had to really learn that pregnancy isn't this glamorous thing. I think there's part of us that, you know, if you've ever experienced having a positive pregnancy test, there's a whirlwind of emotions and it's not always pure joy. There's a lot of fear to work through. In my head at the time that we found out, we didn't know that the pandemic was going to last this long. We had no idea. Like that was not something that we thought was going to be. I never thought that I'd be giving birth in a pandemic. I assumed 
assholely. Why I always have a high school teacher that was like, assuming means like make an ass out of you and me. That's literally how I feel when I assume things now. But I, I really did assume that it would be gone or it would be done and we would be in a different situation. And we're not. We're right in the thick of it again. We're in another wave where it's down to you know, the wire of my pregnancy. And at the same time, the pandemic is at its peak where I live. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, you know, when we're faced with all of these different things, it it can be hard to kind of grapple with how you feel and processing and finding out you're pregnant, you know, at that time, I guess I was initially afraid for my career. I was afraid for the fact that the things I had fought for and worked towards might not be available to me anymore. I worried about how I would be accepted by my following. I worried about, you know, how my relationship with my husband would change. I mean, we're basically newlyweds. That's a lot to kind of put yourself in. And we know that money and babies are like the two common stressors for a marriage. And and so to to know that we were about to kind of enter that, there was like this weird buzz of excitement and this underlying toe of just all of what was real, like what what could happen, what was really happening, and you know what, you're pregnant. So there, there was a lot of excitement and a lot of fear mixed into one. And as the pregnancy progressed and I began to get sicker and the pandemic went on and I started to really acknowledge, I think at the time we were thinking, oh, it's so great, like I'm not going anywhere, like I'm home, this is a great time to have a baby didn't really understand the depths of what the pandemic meant. I didn't understand at the time that it would mean doing everything kind of alone, which definitely brought up a lot of old memories and just different dynamics and and fears. I didn't realize that, you know, that first ultrasound would be by myself. I didn't realize that when I began bleeding at 16 weeks that I would be driving myself to an appointment and sobbing the whole way there and only to find out a few weeks later that I had placenta previa, a cyst on the baby's brain, double cysts on my ovaries, and eventually also found out that there was a umbilical cord issue as well. So there was a lot that came onto our plates that ended up pushing me onto pelvic rest. So then now my dynamic of my relationship has changed not only with my own body and my exercise and my ability to do things, but my marriage and so much more. So, I mean, when we talk about a pandemic, when we talk about pregnancy, in and of themselves, they are challenging. They are very challenging. To combine the two, something I've seen a lot of people go through, a lot of people talk about, a lot of people do, but to be in it myself was not something I think I was prepared for, especially not mentally at all. Also, we've got construction going on. So if you hear banging in the house, that's what it is. So 2020 really brought that out. It really brought me to my knees of mental health, things that I things that I thought. <laughs> if you ever have, have dealt with any trauma before, uh, you know you can't outrun trauma. It kind of lives with you forever. So it really brought back a lot of old things and old feelings and old memories. And it really brought out a lot of old fears and, and whatnot. So we layer that layer that with the pregnancy and everything else that's happening in 2020. Today's episode would not be possible without our sponsor, which is Dove. Dove Nourishing Secret Hand Creams and Body Lotions are inspired by women's beauty rituals from around the world. 
Available in four unique formulas suitable for all skin types, you'll find one perfect for your skincare needs. Revive your skin with Dove Invigorating Ritual Body Lotion. This fast-absorbing formula combined with avocado oil instantly softens your skin while its fresh, clean scent lifts your senses. Skin is left deliciously smooth and supple. It's also available in hand cream to provide 24-hour moisturization. Treat your skin with Dove Restoring Ritual Body Lotion. This super rich formula made with coconut oil and sweet almond extractives deeply moisturizes and softens your skin while its indulgent creamy fragrance comforts your senses. Skin feels restored and extra soft. Also available in hand cream to moisturize extra dry skin. Indulge your skin in Dove Replenishing Ritual Body Lotion. This non-greasy formula is infused with marula oil, replenishes your skin with moisture, while its warm and bright scent of mango butter instantly delights your senses. Skin is replenished, soft, and looks beautiful. Give your skin a luxurious treat with Dove Glowing Ritual Body Lotion. This delicate formula is blended with rice extractives, nourishes your skin deeply, while its sparkling floral scent delights your senses. Skin is radiant looking and feels silky soft. Indulge your skin and your senses in an irresistible new way. Take the Dove Nourishing Secrets Beauty Routine Quiz to find your nature-inspired match. Click the link in our show notes or visit dovenourishingsecrets.com. What did happen in 2020? Like, let's go back. Like at the very beginning of this, there was like this eeriness of it all. I remember first going out for a walk after everyone became quarantined and going for a walk outside was, it felt like the end times. Like it just felt eerie. And at the same time, there was this little part of me that was like, oh, but the whole world is going through this. And there's something about that connecting with the entire world at the same time for one common thing. And then we started to see the rise in, you know, social justice. We saw Black Lives Matter happen in Canada. It was a lot about Indigenous lives and, you know, the importance of really acknowledging these things. For me personally, we watched as I dealt with a lot of understanding of my own thin privilege and how to really take what I'd been doing for so long and talking about for so long and recognizing how much space I was taking up for people that needed to be heard and really having to, you know, look at myself in a whole new way. That really pivoted me a little bit. Besides the pregnancy, I had to pivot in in a different way because my heart pivoted. And this isn't the first time this happened. Back, you know, five years ago, I was a weight loss Instagram account. And, and I remember what it was like to pivot that discomfort, that humanity, that, you know, vulnerability as you start to change and turn around And while at the same time, acknowledge the loss that will happen within that. I have in the last year watched this new rise of a younger generation start to talk about body issues, much like I did years ago. And it's it's been met positively in some ways and very negatively in other ways. And at the same time, we've got so much going on in terms of what needs to be done in social justice. We need to acknowledge our, you know, our white privilege, our thin privilege, there's so much to be learned there. And that's not something that you do in a year. When we say 2020, I really hope that when we look at 2020, we don't say like, oh, that was the year that Black Lives Matter. Like I I recognize now that 
it's not this year that it started to matter. It's this year that it finally became, and I say finally, maybe because for me, it was more finally. I don't, I understand that like, obviously this has been a battle that's been fought for so long, but it's taken a lot of work. I went into a course. It was an intense 12 week program. I didn't talk about it because I didn't want to come off performative. I genuinely wanted to learn. And it was like having your insides turn to your outsides and having to look at them and examine everything you are and why you have so much internalized fat phobia or, you know, racism and understanding all of these things. So when we talk about 2020, there was an intense amount of literally turning ourselves inside out and really looking at everything and how we were wired, how society is wired and what can we do every single day to dismantle the systems that have have perpetuated and created so many of these narratives and yeah, like systems. That was a really big part of 2020 for me. I would say that would be on the personal note, right? Like that's that's a lot of like kind of went on and and they the interesting thing about being your own brand is you, there isn't a lot of separation between your life and your career. You are kind of one because that is what you do. There's also a lot of misunderstanding in terms of like, what the heck do I do in a day? And, and how does that even work? And maybe that's an entirely different episode. But this year, I definitely had to pivot not only myself as a person, which is also my brand, but I did have to pivot my career because initially about a third of my job was in public speaking and in travel. And I used to never do my podcast unless it was one-on-one with somebody. I loved the intimacy of that. And so this year pushed me into a a new world of speaking, which was over Zoom. (laughs) And it was a lot more of podcasting and trying to find that same version of connection through a computer screen that I felt in my living room or in hotels or in podcast studios for the last, you know, almost a hundred episodes that we had done. I'm really proud that as uncomfortable as that was at first, that now I've been able to find a little bit more of a rhythm with it. And that uh, not only that, we've had some of our top episodes came out of 2020. Just a couple of weeks ago, we hit one of our top downloads ever. And that was from an episode that was recorded very recently. It'll be part of our 2020 recap, but it was, you know, really phenomenal to see that podcasts actually continue to rise. And that would still be a part of my career and everything that I would be doing apart from public speaking as well. And then in terms of brand partnerships, this year was the beginning at the end of last year and early this year, I started to really want to take my brand back into my own hands a little bit in the sense of instead of being paid to talk about something, you know, in the world of advertising, the only way that magazines run and, you know, advertising works on highways to pay for certain things and and all of these different stuff is is ad money. There you're buying an ad spot and it's it's a delicate thing when we do it as a person, as a brand. It's much different if you were reading a magazine and you see an ad, you would likely flip past it. 
But when you are a content creator or somebody who lives their life online, that's your support line as well. And so when it comes to usually doing ad work, there is quite a bit of work involved in terms of briefings and brand alignments and, you know, contractual agreements and all of these different things that kind of play into the creativity that you make, which kind of becomes that baseline of what you do. But in late last year and early this year, it started to look a little bit different. What would it look like instead of just being paid to talk about a product and place it into the content I was making? What would it be like if I actually got involved on ground floor level in partnering with brands, which is what I'm talking about being collaboration. So 2020 was the year of, you know, some of the first collaborations I would ever do. The timing wasn't amazing because at the beginning of a pandemic, the last thing that anybody wanted to see was, you know, these collaborations happen. So a lot of it got pushed to later in the year. And as you guys know, as this entire podcast has been a common theme is I have the worst imposter syndrome. So I often don't feel like I have the influence. I have the pull. I can create those numbers that people will buy anything that I'm a part of. I just didn't see it for myself. And this year I had my ass handed to me a little bit in the fact that I really second guessed myself on things that ended up selling out in minutes. One of the biggest launches in North America in years between NYX, between Smash and Tess, Well.ca, Ficlo, Burn at the Label. I'm trying to think of others. We did a charitable one with Blue Boho. Been a phenomenal, phenomenal year of collaborations. It's funny to see them roll out. It's amazing to know that that was a year of work, getting involved on a different level of things and keeping it very quiet and very under wraps and launching with this, like, I don't even know if it's going to work type of attitude and being able to see it come to fruition, come to life and be successful was one of the coolest things that happened in 2020 for me. I mean, I think a lot of people struggle with the fact that not everybody had a bad year and not everybody had the worst moments. I would say that this year had some of my top highlights and my worst lowlights. It sounds like a very bad hair color. (laughs) That's my reality. And, and I think it, brought back humanity into everything that we've done and and do. And, And with each thing that we've done in a year where we've seen so much social justice change, we've seen so much pressure put on society, on our economy, on people, on mental health, being human was the one thing that I could cling to the most because I absolutely did a shit ton wrong. I did so much wrong. I made bad assumptions. I made bad business calls, be called out for things and be called in for things and face them over and over again. What 2019 left me was this like start of an idea of what it's like to be in a larger scale public eye. 2020 really brought me to my knees with it. And I think it was the best thing that could have happened to me. And that's hard for me to admit because I think more than ever. I've probably woken up with more anxiety. I've probably had more hate thrown my way than any year before. But I also think that I have truly been able to get in touch with that human side of myself and that idea of, or that truth that to be a human means being wrong sometimes. The the thing with being wrong is we work so hard to avoid it because we have such internalized 
perfectionism within us that's taught to us that is, you know, within the systems that we're, we're born around, you know, it was talking about ableism and it was saying about how even like the attendance of children in school is an, is a form of internalized ableism because kids who are sick can't, you know, go to school every day. And, and there's all this internalized stuff that we, we layer onto ourselves. Like if we're not busy enough, if we're not well enough, if we're not all these things, like there's a lot of internalized stuff that we have to work through with that. So for me, like being wrong is the worst discomfort ever, but it's almost like you get to see the pain of where something needs to be dealt with. When pain happens in your body, it's an indicator of what needs help. Like where is it coming from? What is happening? How can we help the problem? How can we alleviate that pain? So when pain comes into yourself as a human being or in the world around you, it's an indicator. It's an indicator of where you need to be leaning into, where you need to be learning more. How can you be wrong and look at it not as this is the worst thing ever, my life, career, everything is over, but how can I as a human being learn from this? What is, what is the good that will come from this situation? Because it happened repeatedly enough. Initially, my knee-jerk reactions would have been, in 2019, me, knee-jerk reactions would have been exactly what I would have done a million times over. And now I feel very human. I feel like if I stay agile and vulnerable and understanding that I'm not perfect, it allows me that voice to speak. It allows me, you know, even to record this podcast right now with, you know, this hum of anxiety that's sitting inside of me saying, did I just say something wrong right now? Probably like that is part of learning and also acknowledging that we're in the process of becoming better humans. And the only way to evolve sometimes is by getting things wrong, is by feeling a pain and by going and seeing that source of that pain and moving forward with it. But what's happening next? Because now we're going into 2021 and it is, <laughs> I joke a lot about the fact that I want my daughter to be born in 2021 because I'm like, I just don't want her to be a part of 2020 and everything 2020 was. I want her to be in 2021 because 2021 holds something for all of us, doesn't it? Like it doesn't, oh, I'm going to get emotional again. I think 2021 has this, doesn't it have that deep hope? I feel like that's when I think about it, I know it might be idealistic. I know it might be naive, but like I said earlier in the beginning of the pandemic, that I felt like this was the washing machine of life and that we were all getting into this machine so dirty of things. And that the only way to come out and how washing machines work is by agitation got to hit those walls. You've got to hit against each other. There's a lot of agitation that happens in order to get clean. Sounds a little religious, but in 2020, that's, that's what I felt. I felt like it's pushed us and it's agitated us over and over and over again. And I guess I just have this, that 2021 means we open the washing machine door and we get to see what came out. It's not to say there won't be stains, there won't be rips and tears, and there won't be little imperfections about it all, but I do hold this hope. And on top of that, our family is transitioning massively. I get to watch Shane become a 
father of his own baby. And I shouldn't even say own baby, but like father of a newborn. I've never seen him with anybody under the age of five that he is responsible for, at least. The last few weeks, I think both of us have really checked into the pregnancy. And and I know that sounds kind of bad because we've been, I've been growing this child for a while, but we've acknowledged the fact that I've had deep detachment issues and a lot of mental health struggles. And that does ripple within your relationship as well. And I was actually in bed with Shane last night. And I said to him, I'm like, what's your impression of pregnancy? Like, what has it been like for you? What is this all, you know, now that we're at the end, what does it feel like? And he goes, I'm just really surprised. I never thought I would get to the point of being this excited. And he's like, I'm really, really excited. He also loves the fact that she's very responsive to his voice and to his touch. And I think we're just really ready. Like, I think we're, I think her relationship wise, there's, you know, we've, we've gone through it. We've had to not have sex for months. We've had to, you know, uh, deal with the fact that I went from this bubbly person to this, you know, tired and often crying and, and sad and feeling broken and anxious. And he actually said to me, he goes, I, I always heard everybody when they're pregnant are have the worst moods. And I was like, I looked at him, I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I'm just saying like you haven't. And I was like, oh, I thought I've been atrocious, but his perspective was entirely different. He's actually found it pretty enjoyable. So, you know, as we go into 2021, that's one thing I really look forward to. I look forward to that transition. And I know that's like, there's part of us that's like so naive to it all because it's going to be also a huge, massive transition. Like we're normally go out on Sunday nights and have dinner together and all those different things and go on vacations. And we have no idea what life is going to look like with a baby. We just don't. It's never been a part of our relationships. And and I really have to get used to sharing responsibilities. You know, we, when I was a stay-at-home mom, it was it was kind of on me. Like it, there was a lot that I took on and, and I did that and this time is different. We're both working. We both um, will be at home, but we're both working and we'll have a newborn. And he said to me the other day, like, I just want you to like, don't put things away without like telling me where they are because like, I, I don't want to have to be in the middle of the night looking for something. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a good point as well. So we've really like, he really wants to have that involvement, which has really helped me kind of, you know, embrace what is about to happen. In terms of giving birth, I it's funny because I don't remember being this scared my other ones because I think the benefit of being young and not having as much information is being young and not having as much information. And now being 35, almost 36, and I'm going to learn, I've learned so much and I've watched so much and I'm just understanding and embracing what this is. I feel like I'm stepping into birth very differently. I feel like before it was all about, you know, just getting it done, getting in and out, going to a hospital, like doing everything I could. Like I very much avoided the birth in, in, if that makes any sense. I never went to classes. I, I just would show up and kind of do what needed to be done. My actual memories of Bowden's birth, I'm not actually present in my body. When I think back on the memory of it, it's like I'm on the right side of the bed looking at myself. And I don't know why that is, but it's almost like I was witness to it, but I wasn't in it. And this time I feel so in it. And I think that scares me and excites me at the same time. I think as human, as a woman, as a pregnant woman who is, you know, about to 
push out a child, there is so much fear involved in that and so much empowerment. I feel part of like this collective who has been rooting me on and this moment where we'll actually truly sit in a birth experience is going to be very, 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 very different. And, and so that's going to be the kickoff of our year. And from there, what happens next? Well, I mean, I talked a little bit about this, but I don't want to take a break. I've worked so hard for doing everything that I do now. And I love it so much. Sometimes I hate it. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I just wish I didn't have anything to do and nobody to answer to. And there's these ideas that when you work for yourself, you only answer to yourself. And the fact is when you work for yourself, you have to answer to everybody. That was kind of, you know, naive of me, but now, you know, recognizing that 2021, I'm going to have to advocate for myself like I have when I've been pregnant, asking for that time, asking for those breaks, understanding my own capacity as it changes, but knowing that I'm not, I don't want to take a break. I want to bend. So it's going to be my year of bending. I've already had to make major decisions in terms of my career before even knowing what my life will be like with a baby, which is obviously not that it's not smart. It's just that it's part of business. It's part of planning. You have to kind of plan that ahead. It excites me to know that there's lots going on in 2021. There are things that you all know about very, very soon if you don't find out today, so much more. So there's just a lot of excitement in things that have happened that have spun off of 2020 into 2021. We've got more collabs happening. We have something really big dropping early in the year. And then there's, you know, a lot of unknowns as well, which is kind of the excitement of life and and kind of brings me back to that core point of the entire baseline of my motherhood, my humanity, and my career, which is I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it anyways. So that's my recap on 2020. Those are my hopes for 2021. Whole lot of unknowns, whole lot of hope, a whole lot of fear. And the next time you hear me on a solo podcast, it won't be actually that solo. We're going to bring Shane on and we will be sharing our birth story. So it will be a really interesting time. Shane's never been on the podcast and I don't, I really held off from that, but I I feel like this is the perfect time to kind of bring him on. So really looking forward to that in January, we're going to have that, that conversation and, and really relive it with you all and, and be real with it and do what I do best, which is bringing the real to everything we do. So anyways, thanks for listening to everyone who supported the podcast this year. Like I just, I can't even fathom sometimes like when I get to look at the numbers and I see how many people downloaded an episode, like this stuff isn't nothing. Like it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of people behind the scenes. There is a whole lot of emotional and physical and financial stuff that goes into a lot of these things. And when people care and they listen or they find it valuable and it just reminds me of my purpose, it reminds me of my why over and over again. I'm sorry. I'm so emotional today. I am so deeply, deeply appreciative of everyone that stuck by this year. As I said, you know, kind of being brought to my knees. I felt like when I got to my knees, so many dropped down with me and just put hands on me this year. And it's really reminded me the power, the reason of why I did this in the very first place, not the podcast, but like the blog, everything, all of it was because I craved human connection in a lonely time of life. This year has been lonely for a lot of people. I felt it too. And I have like 
millions of people following me, but loneliness can exist anywhere. It can exist in a crowded room. So thank you for the year that brought me to my knees for getting on your knees with me for us doing this together. And as we don't know what we're doing and we do it anyways. So thank you. That is never going to be enough. And it's also the only words I truly even have. So I give you so much love today and I send you off most awkwardly because I don't know how to end something, especially as I'm sobbing my way through. But I, I hope you feel that love today and God, yeah, I'm just definitely awkward. So love you long time and uh, see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the papaya podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.